0: Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So you had a great story for me, and I said, "Wait, wait, we got to talk about that on the podcast." And it yeah. was all about it was all about searching for safety. So t- tell tell me what what was your insight about how, how agile teams look for safety?
1: Oh, that's um, I'm really happy to talk about this because for some reason last week it seemed to just um, um, come up again and again. This issue, I found myself talking to multiple people over the course of the week about how often uh, the interactions i see on teams are explained by a search for safety some of the puzzles that people see and uh and i and i've seen this in 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 different uh uh situations but one one that comes up is something where there's been someone who has uh been telling people uh what to do and i i used to work at a startup that had someone who who uh did this the uh, the ceo founder uh, he, he was very used to driving everything that they did, and at some point he said, "Well, I'm going to try this um, self-organization stuff. I'm going to step back and let people uh, and, and see what they do." And he, he told everyone, "Okay, you're you know you're in charge now. Come up with what we need to do." And, uh, and, and nothing happened. People weren't able to uh, get together in a line. And, and, and after a week or so, he's like, yep, see that the self-organization stuff doesn't work. Now, <laughs> I, I, I don't agree with his, he didn't run a very good experiment. And I can kind of understand why he, he did that, because it made sense to him. I mean, he thought,
0: oh, I'm supposed to do self-organization. That means you, the selves, are going to do the organization. So right, uh, yeah. he, he, he designed the ex- experiment in an unfortunate way, but not a stupid way.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was naive, um, and, and and it was naive in the way because uh, he was not able to empathize with the the rest of the people on the team. Uh, the challenge for them is they were suddenly put into the situation of great uncertainty, and uh, it turns out people really dislike uncertainty. They're very very deeply troubled by it, especially when you get to these issues around how people relate to one another. And you, you know, you tell them, right? Here's this group of people. Go work out how you're going to work together. It actually is pretty challenging, and and people strongly prefer to be told what to do, uh, even if they disagree with it, because it removes the ambiguity. Number one, and, but in and number two, it it makes them safe because if as long as they follow directions, whatever the consequences are are not their fault. You know, look i was just doing what i've told and it it allows people to be psychologically uh safe and, and immune from criticism because they they don't need to uh really believe in what they're doing they can they can say well i'm just you know i i just do my job i do what i'm told and uh, and therefore i can't be blamed and but the the founder he was not someone who needed that kind of safety you know he over years he'd built up himself he I mean, actually i think he'd always been like this from what i know uh, he had been the kind of person who would embrace the opportunities in uncertainty rather than someone who was frightened by them. And he and he had no empathy for people who had been trained in uh, to take orders, who were used to, to giving direction from other people, who'd never had to really exercise those uh, wrestling with uncertainty kind of muscles.
0: But, but you used a phrase there, which uh, we we've used before, but I don't think you, you used it the way the way we've talked about it. You said it gave them a sense of psychological safety. I don't think you mean the the term as used by Amy Edmondson, which is a different type of team. That's a team that has a different level of safety. This is kind of psychological cover. This is the feeling of being protected.
1: Yeah, that's that's a much better term for it. But it's it's the motivation, and I think it's really it's really good that you point that out because there's a difference between sort of true safety and the psychological safety sense, where um, I can say what I think, I can share my thoughts and experiences, and I trust, I feel safe that people will believe that I'm committed to the project, what, that what, when I'm saying this, that I'm doing it because this is my way of trying to contribute and they will listen to what I have to say and interpret it through that lens. Whether or not we agree, we can disagree and that's fine. We can still be, you know, have a lot of safety on a team that also has a lot of conflict, a lot of difference of, of opinion. As long as you're given the respect uh, that uh, of being listened to and, and heard out, then you can you can have that. And exactly, and they're not, This this, this is very different, these are people who are uh, don't want to expose themselves and i'm often thinking of the term uh, from chris Argyris, where he talked about uh, that that people go into defensive routines in their thinking when there's the potential for threat or embarrassment and it that in you know, that uncertainty is the potential for both <laughs> you know we i might have an idea and and uh, i'd be threatened it would threaten my sense of self if it didn't work and uh, even worse I might be embarrassed because of course being embarrassed is the worst possible thing that can happen to a social primate. So the defensive
0: routine that we just talked about is this idea of uh, relying on a single source of truth, We're relying on someone, in this case, it was the founder, who just tells us this is the way to go. And we, yep. uh, I think we've both seen teams where that person is the product owner, where that person is uh, an executive, where that person might actually even be a customer or um, a book or something like that, yeah. some yeah. single source where you go to that and it just tells you this is the way to do it.
1: Well, you know the, the the book. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm making make a slight difference here because the book i usually think of kind of a second case of sort of process, like how to do it, like what steps we should be following. The single source of truth is usually like exactly you know what we should be building, um, and and so that's it, it, there's kind of a slight difference here, which is someone who tells us tell us what we should build, and then I'll build it, uh, and that's a little bit different than from the process, which people read a book. It's usually not well we should build what it says in the book, but instead let's follow the process in the book. I was actually thinking of a case where there was a book of
0: regulations, oh, okay. yeah. An official source of all this, the regulatory technology that the the team was building, and so when they just go look on page nine hundred and twelve, and it would say, you know, subparagraph twenty seven says do this, but you're now you're moving on to the the second way to seek safety, which we definitely wanted to talk about as well, because I think it came up for you last week also. Yeah, you can have this single source of truth that might work. Or it might be you read like a business book, or you read a book on Agile, or you uh, went to a Scrum Master training, or something like that, and then you got the process, which is supposed to lead you to the the, the promised land of safety.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and process was in, in in my mind again with several people, one of which being a, a person who is leaving the team who I'm on, and uh, uh, and she's hit off. But when we we've been working now together for several months, and uh, she has been used to being a scrum master and, you know, kind of running the process for the team. And she was very uh, concerned when, when um, myself and a couple other uh, sort of people who work inside of Tim joined this, this project. And we came in with our way of approaching the problem, which is much more conversational. It's, it's, it's we where our vision is like, there's these problems to solve and let's talk about them. But she wanted to know like, well, what's the process going to be, you know, when, when, when's the stand up? When's the, uh, I don't, I don't mean to, to, to be in kind here, of, but she just, she was used to having a very fixed process and she would run the process. And, you know, I think in that process is a, is a, is another sense of safety. Yeah. It feels good. Like,
0: boy, I wonder what I should do next. Ah, uh, I should hold the uh, next ceremony, I should hold the refinement. I had a team that had four st- stages of refinement. They'd have the, the small refinement, the big refinement, the really big refinement, and then the final refinement. <laughs> Boy, their, their stories were really refined. Okay. <laughs> Clear process, and they knew that it was time for refinement number three. It was Thursday at 12 o'clock. That was what they were doing, and there was no, just like with the single source of truth, there was a, a a Bible to look at. There was a person to to, to consult. There was, a, a, in this case, a process to follow, which gave them assurance that at least they weren't doing the wrong thing. Yeah, so we might call it again, another type of psychological cover, not safety, because in fact, if the guide is wrong, whether it's a process or the source of truth, you're gonna have cover for the thing going wrong, but it's
1: still gonna go wrong. <laughs> and, and this is the, exactly it. Is, is it. This is a, a way that allows people to have a sort of distance from the outcome. Because they can say, well, maybe it's not working, but you can't blame us because we followed the process exactly. Yep. <laughs> and 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 so you know, it's it's a different way to be held blameless. And and these are kind of complementary ones because one is, you know, very often is what to build. The second one is how to build it. And people get very unhappy when you pull the process away from them because it's, you're removing kind of what what they what they know they can do. And and this got is kind of like the third level of seeking safety, which is, I think it's much more to the Edmondson version, which is to to truly have psychological safety, to be able to be in an environment with people where you're sharing a problem. And, and by the way, this is my working definition of a team, is a team is a group of people who share a problem. And you you realize, you, you accept the fact, like, look, look, it's us in the room who are going to have to solve it. Uh, we're the ones confronted with this problem. How do we want to go about it? And you n- negotiate your working agreements. You you negotiate how you're going to approach the problem, and you work out together. And then over time, you'll reflect and adapt those working agreements. And there's there's just tremendous power in being able to do that. However, when when in my experience, when we bring that way of working, as we did on this project, to some other people who weren't used to it, they looked at us, you know, like we were aliens. And so
0: you're pulling out the cover. You're taking cover away from them.
1: Yeah, and it, it seems so strange. You know, I thought that they were my initial reactions. Well, what? Why are they reacting this way? Haven't you done agile before? You know, isn't isn't this strange? I thought, I, and it occurred to me that no, actually, you know, it's right. We we are the aliens. <laughs> we the way we approach this. This is one of those things people talk about. You know, doing agile versus being agile. You know, they were used to doing agile in the sense that they had a checklist. You know, they had their process. You know, they they had their, their, as you say, their cover. You know, this is the way that we we work. And then we came in and we're like, yeah, we don't care about any of that. (laughs) But aren't you agile? We're like, yeah, we're totally agile. Now that doesn't mean that we're undisciplined, but rather that we uh, approached it uh, in a different way. We, we definitely approached this as a learning process and we were going to learn how to work with each other. We were going to figure out what strengths and weaknesses, what experiences we each had, and, and we were going to try to divide up the problem together, but this was something to be, to be negotiated and worked out together. And we didn't, uh, need to worry about the uncertainty of, uh, how we're going to work. Cause we would just, well, let's just work it out. Like, you know, let, we're here now. <laughs> that's,
0: that's part of what you expect to have happen in that sort of style of working.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so it's and and this way of working uh, is is really I, I often think is the the power of this way of working is what we're trying to unlock with agile conversations, with the conversational dojos, with people developing their skill is the ability to go in and uh, to to overcome the kind of defensive routines that Chris Urgers would talk about, the the kind of things that prevent people usually from having productive conflict. When we can, when instead go in and uh, have the confidence uh, to build trust and build safety, uh, then I, I think once once you go down this route, you don't want to come back. Uh, I, I know that some of those people we've been working on for several months, and they they now look and say, yeah, there's some real advantages of the kind of communication style, collaborative development that we're that we're doing as opposed to the more process driven elements that they've been used to in the past. I'm reminded, and I was reminded in a
0: meeting with a client last week, of a fabulous scene from the movie Apollo 13. And you can imagine that the the folks at NASA are kind of careful process-driven people. There's a lot of sources of truth. There's a lot of books they can look stuff up in, and there's very careful process so that they keep the rockets going to the right place at the right time, and they have to launch at a certain moment and so on. But of course, when part of a spaceship blows up and it's on its way to the moon and you have to get the crew back, you, you have to operate in a very different way. And there's this wonderful scene, we'll link to it in the show notes if I can find a, uh, an excerpt of it, where uh, the, the problem they have is that they have to get the uh, one of the tubes to connect to another tube. And they need to make sure that the oxygen can go the right way. I forget the details but the the one of them is made by one contractor, and the other one is made by a different one. the 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 receptacle is made by a different contractor, and one is square and one is round. And this person walks into a room on the ground uh, with a whole bunch of uh, NASA employees who are used to operating in the in the with the cover, I'm sure, and dumps a a, a box full of stuff on the table and says, "This is the material that the astronauts have." we have to make one of these fit into one of those using this stuff. And some of it is like the books that they use. They're literally taking the books and the covers off the books so that they can use that because the books are what they have in the spacecraft that give them the properties which no longer apply because the thing is practically exploded and they're busy trying to attach the square peg, literally put a square peg in a round hole. And they say, you know, we have three hours to figure out how we do this. And somebody says, we never did that before. And the person says, of course, that's the point. <laughs> this is what we got. <laughs> Go. And suddenly they have to operate in this completely different way, which I'm sure was terrifying for a lot of them because there's no cover, right? In their case, thank heavens in our situations, usually nobody's going to die. Yeah. In their case, if you can't get the square pig in the round hole, those astronauts are going to suffocate. And of course, we all know they succeeded. And they succeeded by operating in a, I'm sure, in a way that was much more psychologically safe rather than giving them psychological cover
1: when we say psychological safe it means because you're in a safe environment you can put yourself out there uh, it it sort of reminds me about you know what the one of the the most important elements of a car that allows you to drive fast which is the brakes mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it, it's having good brakes allow you to drive faster it's in there's the 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 elements that you put in that make you feel that give you safety uh, also allow speed and i i like this example of the apollo 13 because it also fits to something we've talked about before which is the um the uh, western ron westrom model of cultures and the, the different cultural types and the the good one being generative which is a, a, you are focused on the mission and and certainly that apollo 13 one is an example of being focused on the mission and so i think that idea of uh, being focused on the three options we're giving here you can be focused on you know, the person who's telling you what you're going to build, you can be focused on the process telling you how to build it. Or third, you can be focused on the actual mission itself. But the last one, is scary because you don't have cover.
0: That's right. So you're seeking psychological safety, but it's actually terrifying when you're headed that way.
1: That's right. Exactly. And, what, what, and I, I think that, that it's worth underlining that because they say the psychological safety is part of having an environment with trust. And the way you build trust is through being vulnerable. And uh, that process of initiating the trust building process, being vulnerable is scary. And uh, and being able to get past that uh, is, is, uh, is crucial. There you go. Well, if listeners
0: are encountering this psychological cover, maybe somebody's tearing it away from you, or you would like to tear it away from your team, and you want to get in touch with us and talk more about that, we like hearing from listeners, and we always enjoy it and usually get on the phone with them and have all kinds of interesting interactions that that then lead to more podcasts. So get in touch. You can find us at conversationaltransformation.com. There you'll also find all kinds of events and things that we're doing. So I'm doing some workshops. I think Jeffrey's going to join me on some of those. Jeffrey's leading a ton of conversational dojos to practice these techniques. We're trying to be on a, a bunch of different podcasts this spring. So all kinds of things are happening. Have a look there. And of course, uh, we always like it when you come back next week because we're out every Wednesday. And if you hit whatever kind of subscribe button you have available, then we'll come back and talk to you more about Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey.
1: Thanks, Carl.